Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So we're just moving along on the word empowerment, and we're now at the R. And R for me means to realize. And, and what that means is to realize um, your inner truth, to really begin to feel that you're connected to your inner truth and realizing it, accepting it, um, and realize that you are love and that you are already powerful. And in the realization of that, that means you've got to live it. So realizing empowerment in your life means actualizing it, I guess. Huh. And meanwhile, as you're realizing your life of empowerment, don't forget to hashtag us or write a review for Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell and pass it on. The more we share, the more we grow, and the more empowered we all become together. And here's today's show. So today on Empowering Chats, I have a friend of mine who's actually this amazing, wise, funny lady. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, but before we get into the meat of this conversation, I just want to remind everybody about my book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. And we're doing book studies. So if you either join my group, Live Your Empowered Life Facebook group, or go to my website, you'll see when we're doing the book studies. And those are kind of ongoing for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, just get the book and get the work done. Why not? So with that said, um, I want to welcome Reverend Bonnie Rose. Bonnie, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, it's so interesting. Okay, so Bonnie is the spiritual leader of the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Um, it is a non-denominational new thought center, if you will. And um, she's been talking a lot over the last few weeks about embracing uncertainty. And the first time I saw that topic, Bonnie, I was like, oh, crap. You know, really? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that seems to be the work for everybody right now, the inner work, right? Yeah. Is to really find where, how you do that individually. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's the work for everybody, but it sure seems like a lot of people are coping with uncertainty right now, or rather not coping with uncertainty. And I think that some people don't even know that things are really uncertain right now. Like they're just so focused on the day to day that they, they don't even notice like, why am I grumpy? Why are, why am I depressed? Why am I this? Why am I that? And I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that this pandemic thing has been going on for a long time and we don't know the outcome and there's been other, you know, tensions in the, in the news and all kinds of stuff. So I think there's all of this uncertainty floating around and we're just having to come face to face with it and deal with it in the best way possible. I, and it actually, in facing it, right, instead of running away from it, you know, I, I've been, I have been doing some emotional eating over the last several weeks, you know. <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh. And, and my genes are telling me no more. Yeah. Can't do any more. Yeah. But um, in facing it, instead of running away from it, um, that, that to me, it takes um, courage. Yeah. 
And it also takes kind of an awareness of like a, having it become your spiritual practice, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling a little fear. Why? Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen next. Right. 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 I, yeah. I think we're so conditioned to, to know the answer. You know, when you, when you start school, you have to know the answer and, and just that, you know, that and other things just bleed into our lives. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot about uncertainty um, this month. Not among, am I, not only am I living it, but I'm reading about it too. And um, many of the spiritual teachers say that uncertainty is not the problem. It's our resistance to it. So as we start to um, embrace uncertainty, start to at least see it, like you said, become mindful about it rather than, you know, in my case, eating everything in sight or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, if we start to embrace uncertainty and then start to work with it in a constructive manner, then it can actually lead us to something greater. Like I know, I know that your theme this, um, this month is, is realization, correct? Yeah. So I think that our, our conscious embrace of uncertainty can help us, recognize that or realize rather that there are possibilities that are beyond what we know so uncertainty can be a good thing it's like if i don't know the answer maybe it means that there's a better answer that i haven't encountered yet in my life experience so if i can just sort of relax into this and and you know stop the addictive behaviors and just breathe maybe that greater possibility will come to me as i befriend uncertainty and I'm sorry, I'm giggling because when you said relax into it, my my inner child was on the floor throwing a tantrum, hands and fists, you know, and oh yeah. No. So I know. <laughs> I know. Same same here. I'm like I'm talking like I'm some expert at relaxing into uncertainty, but it's not that's not true. <laughs> I, I when I saw the talk title that you know I was gonna talk about, I was like, oh man, not that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's um so it also as you were speaking, I was hearing something that you, you've been teaching and, uh, and talking a lot about, which is the law of three. Yeah. Can you speak about that too? Because it, it, that seems to me, uh, once people become aware that it actually is something that happens anyway, the law of yeah. three, yeah. Um, and then you can consciously utilize it, then they're in between that seems like a relaxation or a resting point. So yeah. explain yeah. it to everybody. Sure. Um, I'll do the best I can. It's um, it's quite mystical and esoteric, but in, in a lot of ancient teachings, mm -hmm. they have this, this some form of the law of three or some form of Trinity. Um, you know, many of us are familiar with the Christian Trinity, Judeo-Christian Trinity. Um, in our in our teaching and in, in the denomination of science of mind, we have a, a trinity of sorts of um thought and then law and then an out picturing. Um, but the, the way that, that um, I think a more mystical approach to the law of three is, is that there's in, in life, there is an affirming factor and a denying factor. There's a yes and there's a no, and they're pushing up against each other all of the time. And if we can just sit in the discomfort of that and in the dynamic tension of that, then we open ourselves up to receive a reconciling factor and from that reconciling factor, something brand new that is more than better than a compromise. It's actually a true win-win that can be born through the reconciling factor if we're willing to do the work of tolerating the discomfort and maybe even celebrating the discomfort and tolerating slash celebrating the paradox of, mm -hmm. of that condition. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to my kicking and screaming piece yes. of this, yes. when I when I practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, the law of three, when I remember to practice it, right? Uh -huh. I, what I find is I got to stand on both sides. So yes. like I stand in one side, the, the, the 
affirming thing of this is uh-huh. what is this is what is I think is true. Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And I have to uh-huh. like, I don't know if it's the ex actress to me, but I have to have the conversation, you know, yes. with me. Yeah. Me uh-huh. with me. Yeah. Or me with the person that and then I have to stand in the other side of the denying and yes. and and like act that out just to, to to get to the middle where I can stand in the in the tension. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like recognizing what both Oh, that's it. Right. <laughs> it's realizing what both sides are saying. Yeah. And then you come to uh, some sort of, uh, not agreement, but consensus about it. Yeah, some, some type of peaceful resolution. Um, you know, the one, the one that I tend to do a lot is um, for myself, and I, I often um, encourage others to do this too, but it's what, what do I actually feel and what am I telling myself I should feel, you know, Ooh. which is, that's pretty deadly, you know, yep. what, what you should feel. And you don't really feel it, but you want to be a good person. You want to be all spiritual. So you want to, you, you know, <laughs> like your, your inner tantrum is perfectly acceptable. There's some, there's value in that. You know, there's value in my inner tantrum. <laughs> there's, 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 um, there's the value in, in the thing that you're actually feeling and, and then holding it up against what you think you should feel. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, creative potential in that, in that dynamic. Yes. Uh, and that also, as you're saying that, it also is recognizing the inner, the inner child within. I've been doing some more inner child work. Why? I don't mm-hmm. know. You'd uh-huh. think that they'd grow up, but, um, <laughs> but it's in recognizing that, that that tantrum or those those uncomfortable feelings comes from that place of that small individual within, right? The, yeah. The, the small self, right? Who doesn't yeah. necessarily feel honored or seen or right. um, listened to, right. you know? Yeah. And in holding the law of three, then we can begin to um, bring that truth up, you know, right. for revelation, for healing and integration right. or release, right? Right. right. Yeah. I mean, the, the small self that, that, you know, we tend to, we tend to sort of be a, a bit scornful and disdainful of it you know that's just what we do but I think part of it is recognizing that that small self is there for a reason and it has value and you know I'm sure I'm sure that a lot of the work that you do in in cultivating worthiness is is the willingness to call in and accept all of the parts of yourself and see that each each part has a purpose and so even even the smaller petty parts of ourselves of how we wish things were you know we, we studied all this stuff about impermanence and uncertainty and we know we should be all spiritual and relaxed but we just wish it would go away or we wish it would be different (laughs) You know, even even that part of ourselves has has value. We don't necessarily get to to name the value until we're willing to actually look at it and hold it up against the the other possibilities. Yeah. Yes, and there's yeah. also that place of um, what you were just talking about of all the different parts of ourselves that there's. Okay, this is just my belief, Bonnie, and and I don't have to be right about that. Um, I'm affirming I don't have to be right. Okay. <laughs> but um, what it seems to me, you know, the last, I don't know, several years was this big conversation in transformational work about the ego and the ego needs to be done away with. And we need to slay the ego. You're operating out of ego. Everybody got really aware of the ego. Yeah. And I think, and I think you might agree with me, that that ego is that small self that still is is like you just said, is there for a reason. It's yeah. there to help us either become 
more aware or guide us or, you know, what, you know, to say danger, Will Robinson, don't do that. Right. Right, right. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Susan. I think we can both either be right or wrong together. You know, I I completely agree that that the ego shouldn't be done away with and that it's a it's a beautiful part of ourselves. And, you know, and the the thing is, too, is that I think that a lot of the people that, um, you know, I could easily get myself in trouble for saying this, but a lot of a lot of the people that want to do away with the ego claim to be um, practicing non-duality, but I, I don't see that there can be the spiritual self and then this part over here that we would you know prefer to obliterate or make it go mm-hmm. away or something. You know, mm-hmm. so I think the ego is, has value as well in its own little unique quirky ways. I mean, it's comedic, right? I mean, oh that, my that's God. One of, yeah, that's that's one of the beautiful things about being human is is all of the comedy that comes out of our our you know little machinations that we do. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, machinations yeah. and marcarinas yes. and all that. All right, right. This, yeah. right, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I agree with you because I think that, uh, or at least what I've been learning in my inner work over the last couple of years, uh, which kind of surprised me, is the idea of the integration of all the parts of me. Because yeah. there, when I when I uh, my heart was shattered going through divorce and everything. Right all my pieces just went Psh. yeah yeah and and at for a while there was a part of me going i don't want any of that back i don't want any of that back but yeah. there is there is quite a even the stuff that's the dark gooey sticky stuff those yeah. all those pieces need to be there in order for that wholeness of our unique divine spark to be yeah. made real i think yeah. I, I agree with you. I think I think there's there's you know there, uh, you, I think you've probably heard me quote this before, but I'll say it for others that perhaps have not heard me say it. But um, when I when I lived in New York, uh, the Fantastics was a really really important show to me because my husband was in it a lot, and it's a, it's a love, basic love story. But um, they start with the Act One, and everything is perfect, and the people fall in love, and they say this should be the ending, but then they have to go into the second act where things start falling apart and there's this beautiful line and try to remember you know i'm sure a lot of people know that song where it says without a hurt the heart is hollow you know and i think (laughs) isn't that beautiful i got chills i just i know it makes me want to cry (laughs) the whole song makes me want to cry oh me too i know the whole show basically but but that song in particular and and i just i i carry that with me all the time like when i'm when i'm acting like a like a you know, not a very spiritual person or when I'm, when I am hurt by something, it's like, oh, this, this sweetness is part of joy. You know, this suffering is part of joy as well. So, you know, I, I, I find that that gets me through. I don't know if it works for everybody, but it helps, certainly helps me a lot. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. That's a, that's kind of a hard thing to remember when you're in that place of feeling hurt or when you're in that place of fear or in that place of anger, it, it's very challenging to remember that, oh, this is the thing that's bringing me more yeah. to myself, bringing me yeah. more life, more yeah. expression and all that. I know. It would, much, it would be much nicer to have like a bouquet of balloons or something. <laughs> but Susan, one of the things that I remember about you that you said to me that was so beautiful, since you brought up your divorce, I feel I can bring it up as well. But I remember you saying um, that a box of Kleenex was your prayer partner. 
And I just oh, wow. found that so, so touching and so beautiful that, of course, you're going to grieve something like that. You know, we grieve when we love a lot. You, you know, there were many, many, many good things. Your son, for one, oh my goodness, you know, many yeah. good things that came out of that. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the, the weirdnesses of life. Like, why were we made this way? We have, to, we, everything's impermanent. We have to let go of everything, which means we grieve everything. And, and yet in that groundlessness, you know, we, we can sort of see the, the permanence of impermanence, which is another way of saying there's a permanence of possibility for, for all of us. You know? Oh, that's a good way. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it too. I just thought it up, but I, you know, God <laughs> forbid I should remember it in the middle. Of <laughs> well, fortunately we're recording. So you can, yeah, you I can, can write I all can those <laughs> witty phrases down. Yeah. Bonnie. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but I want to, I want to speak a bit about this impermanence idea of impermanence because it, it is parallel or goes hand in hand with uncertainty. Yes. Because in order to, to actually accept or live in that middle ground, right? Yeah. We're getting kind of buddhic. Yeah. yeah. That middle ground of impermanence, then we have to also trust more. Do. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was just having that conversation <laughs> with myself in my head earlier. And I'm like, I'm not trusting. And the, and yeah. the other person's going, but you need to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that um, trusting thing, Bonnie. How do you how do you trust when everything's impermanent and uncertain? I'm going to give you that. Big oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, well, you know, I want to talk a little bit about impermanence first of all. Okay. In that it just is. Like it doesn't matter if we trust it or we don't trust it. It just it just is. Okay, now agree? I'm hearing the word surrender. Because <laughs> yeah. now I got to surrender to the surrender. fact right. surrender. that impermanence just is. There's nothing it to just, be done about it. It just okay. is. There's nothing to be done about it. We can fight it if we want, but that's where all the pain comes from. Or we can surrender to it and trust something, something that which created impermanence, perhaps. That which set up the world this way. The natural, spiritual you'd want to talk about God or spirit or higher power or love that set up the world to have impermanence because impermanence is actually part of what makes life precious. Yes. And the other thing that helps me trust, this is, this is going to sound really weird, but you know that I'm bizarre, right? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ministers, like we have to do a lot of memorials. Um, and, and I remember some of my first memorials reading about what you're supposed to do because, you know, you just kind of get you're like out of the shoot and you're doing memorials and weddings and all kinds of stuff you don't really know how to do. But I remember reading about it and it said um, from Ernest Holmes, our founder, it said something like the people want to hear that you believe in life after life. And I'm like, well, do I, you know, because yeah. death seems pretty real, you know, mm -hmm. death seems pretty real. And so then I started questioning, what do you believe in? And the thing that I always come up with when I'm questioning life beyond life or life after death or whatever you want to call it, I always come up with a compost cycle. I am in love with compost. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just think it's, it's such a beautiful metaphor. Like I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and, and he told me that in a teaspoon of, of soil, which is, you know, composted material, dirt with with um, composting material added, there's something like, uh, there's more microorganisms in a teaspoon of soil than there are humans on the planet Earth. Oh my God. I know, I know. I didn't realize that. So, if, you know, if we're working with the soil, we're, we're giving life. And and so, so composted material, your old eggshells and your 
melon rinds and all the coffee grounds, all of that stuff that you throw in there, it feels like it's dead, but it isn't. It's giving life and then it gives life to new plants. And when those plants die, they give life to new plants. So I, I, um, I just believe in the compost cycle and I use that as a metaphor a lot in my life to say, okay, this is just, this is just compost. This is just the breaking down of structures or society or whatever. And, you know, hello, <laughs> aren't we seeing that on not only a personal level, but a global level, you know, yep. so many of us are having to do things differently than we did before. And then the whole world is, is needing to change in a way that, you know, we're not really certain what that change is going to be yet, but we're, you know, hopefully we're conscious enough to evolve something that's, that's um, beautiful and beneficial. Right. Well, and even for those that may not be fully aware yeah. They're in the compost cycle, and and yes. you, I know one of the there is one of those things where you have to turn it and turn yes. it and turn yes. it. Yes. So mm-hmm. you know, everybody, if we're in the compost cycle, let's just kind of get a little more aware of what's happening, so that you don't yeah. have, to have that pitchfork come after you to turn the soil. Right. Maybe it's like a roller coaster. You know, it's fun. We do think we do scary things on purpose for fun, right? We go to scary movies. We go on roller coasters. Maybe this is just like another roller coaster. Well, it sure feels like it for me. It does. Right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. does. It's, it's yeah. interesting. So can we talk about uh, fear a little bit more, Bonnie? Because um, so uh, just before our recording, I went and walked a labyrinth. Uh, that's part of my spiritual practice. And um, I was being called and told, go walk the labyrinth. Uh. So there's one over here in Ventura by the hospital, and it's right outside of the emergency room doors. Uh And I got there and another woman was walking it and I do what I did. And I start, you know, kind of prayed myself in and started walking it. Uh And we, she and I were social distancing, masks on, no big deal. And um, we both got like kind of in a parallel track of it. Mm-hmm. And this young man who's, you know, the security guard of the emergency room, young man, young, uh-huh. did I mention he was very young? <laughs> and, and he comes walking down the stairs to us and both she and I stopped and we're just standing there watching him approach us. And I'm like, what? I wonder what he wants. And he's like, um, is there something I can do for you? And we're like looking at each other, no are you waiting for somebody? And we looked at each other. No, because the labyrinth, we're in the center of the labyrinth. You know, if you look down on the ground, there's the pattern, we're in it. And this young man had no clue why we were there or what we were doing. He's like, okay, okay. And she and I did another loop. And then she looked at me and she goes, I don't understand why he doesn't know what this is. I said, you know what? It's not that he doesn't know. I mean, it is that he doesn't know, but it's that he is in that zone of fear uh-huh. at the entryway of an emergency room. Right. So right. he probably, the poor thing, was just inundated with fear, right? I yeah. mean, it's probably seeping into his cells by now. You yeah. Know? And yeah. she and I just did a mini, I don't even know who she is. We don't know each other's name, but we just like did a mini blessing for that young man and, and uh-huh. the emergency room and all the people there because it well it was disturbing our spiritual practice for a while yeah yeah (laughs) you know it's like oh yeah even when I do my practice there are other people out there that don't know yeah how not to be afraid yeah 
I, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I always think maybe they are part of my spiritual practice. You know, the people that are that are more afraid than I am. You, you know, as you were as you were speaking, I, I was I thought this might be a, a mask story. Like, um, oh well, you know, that some people are wearing masks and some people aren't. And and um, uh, you know, I'll confess, I am a mask wearer. I believe in wearing masks, and and it's you know, nursing background. Um, and so there's you know there's some some fear that is that is. I guess healthy fear that's justified and and um like that and there's you know fear that just kind of takes you over and paralyzes you and um and and I think you know I think I feel like your observation about that gentleman in the ER was really um spot on because it it's just like it's it's almost like it's in the air and you're breathing it in you know particularly in an emergency room where there's just one tragedy after another coming yeah. coming through the door um, and, you know, bless his heart that he didn't know what a labyrinth was or he couldn't process it or, or whatever, you know, maybe, maybe that labyrinth hasn't seen a lot of action lately either. You no. know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting yeah. to me. Um, and this woman said, maybe we, somebody needs to educate them. And so of course the rest of my practice, instead of doing my practice, I'm like, is that mine to do? Do I need to do yeah, that? Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But, um, yeah, so the, the, Okay, so let's speak about whether or not you're wearing a mask. Do, yeah, it um, doesn't necessarily mean that you're afraid if you're wearing a mask. Right, right. It, I I look at it as a um, as an act of consideration mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's not so much about protecting me. I mean, it it actually is. They're starting to see more that that you know the, even a cloth mask can be protective for the coronavirus. But it's also that if I cough or I sneeze, my or if I speak, even that you know my spit can go elsewhere and fall on something, <laughs> and then someone can touch it and and get sick. So you know, I I treat it like um, like when you go to a foreign country. I know you've traveled a lot, and you you may have been to countries where you have to take off your shoes when you go in the house, right? Mm -hmm. And you may not want to take off your shoes. Maybe you have a hole in your sock, but you do right. it anyway. <laughs> you know, you do it anyway just out of respect. So that's one of the reasons I, I wear a mask is that it feels like a, a great calling for, for all of us to respect each other and to err on the side of caution. Yeah. So, and I, I would agree with you. And my, I guess my question is, so I'm noticing when I go out in public, you know, like to the st grocery store or whatever, there's, um, instead of this drawing people together and same with walking in my neighborhood, instead of it drawing people together so that while we're finally out, can we at least connect, like smile, have eye contact? Yeah. People yeah. are not looking at each other. They're, really? they're I, I notice a majority hmm. aren't, don't want to make that eye contact. And, and, and I'm like constantly, hi, hi. You know, yeah, I, yeah. when I walk in my neighborhood, I'm waving at people. I don't know. I'm waving at people in the car. I'm like, Hi. Yeah. We're here no. together. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm I'm the same way. I want to make con more contact now. You have to make more of an effort when you're wearing a mask and I sort of like the discipline of making more of an effort. So, um and I'm finding that I often have to initiate it, but often when I initiate contact, people will respond. I have this really sweet thing happened to me. It's so it's so minor, but it you know, one of one of my spiritual practices is to appreciate all of the people that serve me all day long, you know, whether it's a barista in Starbucks or somebody in the grocery store or the postman or something like that. I just work on that a lot. And um 
Susan, as you know, you know, we've been live streaming our services and I've had to like clean up my act a little bit and wear false <laughs> eyelashes. I don't have them on today. <laughs> I put them on because I don't really like wearing them. But I was going, when I first got them, I didn't know how to put them on. And I was like gluing my eye shut every Sunday or like gluing my finger to my eyelid. Oh. There's this, there's this woman in Vaughn's who has these incredible false eyelashes. And, and finally I just went up to her and I'm like, can you tell me about your false eyelashes and how do you wear them? And it was such a great bond. And I was, I was talking to her about her, her false eyelashes and said to her something like, you know, do you think you might want to like be a, like go into the beauty field, like do makeup for weddings and stuff someday. And she like, she just lit up her little, you know, little eyes above her mask lit up. And then the guy who was bagging my groceries, I, I said to him, what's your dream? And he, the sweetest thing came out of him about how he wants to he wants to be a teacher but he's been to two high schools in the area and he wants to go to the worst high school that he's been to 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 really help them out and you know I have those encounters all the time and it's it's just such a um I, I guess for me part of you know to channel it back to fear and impermanence that that to me seems like something that is that is kind of permanent is is love and goodwill you know it's a I don't know that I love these people, but I love talking to them. And, and it's um, expressing that expression of, of, of connection, you know, that, yes. that really, I think, helps me a lot with, with fear. It's like, I, I don't have time to be afraid if I'm just working on connecting with other people. Yes. And I agree with you, Bonnie. And for me, it's that heart-to-heart -heart connection, to have an yeah. authentic, honest conversation like you just described yeah. is important for all of us. And yeah. when when people extend themselves towards each other instead of turning away, yeah. um, then that's how that connection yeah. uh, can still be made, even though we're not hugging each other or right. spitting on each other yeah. when we talk. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, um, it, it reminds me of what we were talking about before about accepting all of the parts of, of yourself, you know, um, my acknowledgement of eyelash frailty and that, you know, I, I should be above false eyelashes. I shouldn't care about what I look like. I'm a minister. I should be all spiritual and holy. And, you know, you don't see the Dalai Lama wearing false no, eyelashes. No, you don't. Or Pema Chodron. Let's, let's okay, go. Pem, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but just like, it just is, is on my radar right now. And just, just bringing whatever we have to, to the circumstance. I, I just find that so, um, so affirming in a way, you know, and, and I, again, back to your, to your book and the work that you do about worthiness, like just being able to not only embrace the, the quote unquote, on places in yourself that you've been named unworthy, like the silly places in yourself and the places that don't seem quite lofty or spiritual enough or, you know, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever, whatever you think you're not enough in, maybe you're not enoughness is really something delightful about us, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see that in you. I, I don't know that I can see that in me yet, Bonnie, but I can see that in you. Where oh, you just are delightful all the time. Oh, well, thank you. But you're delightful too. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. You, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started. So I'll go Don't, on forever. Okay. <laughs> That's like you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so if we were to wrap this up, uh, or what we are going to wrap this up okay. about living with uncertainty and taking moments to face that uncertainty and practice the law of three of affirming and denying and being in the tension of that. 
Yeah. What would you, what would be the last thing you would want people to know right now? Um, well, I don't know if it's the last thing ever, but one, one thing that I wanted to say before when we were talking about facing fear, and I, I think this is probably a good place to end, um, is, is to remember that, that fear also is impermanent and distrust is also impermanent. And um, when, I, when I did the talk on uncertainty at the, at the center, when, when you were there, um, one of the things that I spoke about was um, the, the woman who had a, a stroke and then did a TED talk about it, Jill Bolt-Taylor. Yes. And she, I, in preparing for that talk, I was reminded that whatever we're feeling, really the feeling itself is only about 90 seconds maximum. And, and if we just feel it, we can say, I can do this for 90 seconds. And then something, it just seems to go away if we actually shine the light on it. Um, and, and having done that myself, like once I, once I remembered that that was, that was a, a practice and a truth, I did it. And really it's much less than 90 seconds. You know, it's almost like 10 seconds. As soon as you start acknowledging that you're having a fear or something and just, and just looking at it in a loving manner, it seems like the love somehow transcends the fear and, and it tends to go away and it puts you in a, puts us in a better position to, um, to navigate life, you know, in, in the present moment from a place of um, greater poise and equanimity. Yeah. 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 I agree. And it's, it's, that's the thing that I want to encourage everybody who's listening to practice is the, is feeling the feelings, you know, and then you'll stop emotionally eating. I'm raising my hand. Um, (laughs) Bonnie's raising her hand, you know, so that um, you can, there's such a, a, I want to say a deep learning when you can be with what is. Yeah. Just being with what is. Yeah. And and the other thing too is, is as you're feeling the feelings to separate it, what happens is that we feel it for say 90 seconds maximum. And then we start layering a story upon it. We start predicting the future or regretting the past or blaming ourselves in the present. And the other, the other thing to do is you're feeling that feeling is to notice when the story wants to sneak in and then you step separate the sensation of the feeling from the story that you're telling yourself. And that you kind of put it in a little box over here that you can take out if you want it, but you know that it's just because you're thinking it doesn't mean it's true. That's right. And that goes back to realize. Yes, right? it does. It Absolutely. goes back to making yeah. something imagined right. become real. And that can be a very positive, co-creative thing, or it can be detrimental if we're, the story we're telling ourselves That's is right. the thing we're trying to make real. Yeah. it's not. Yeah. And if, if you're, you know, your intention in this month is to help people realize moving from a low level of vibration to a higher level, you know, all of, all of the things we're talking about will, will help facilitate that in a really beautiful and, and joyful way. It really can be joyful. Absolutely. So Bonnie Rose, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, and before we started this podcast, I pulled a couple of my inspirational cards. Oh, sure. And um, I'm trying to decide which one well, I, I pulled this one. It's a quote by Ernest Holmes. Okay. My, my favorite mentor. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, today you are to identify yourself with the more abundant life, to think on those things which make for peace, to dwell on the unity which underlies everything. Oh. Yeah. And I, I love think that. That's important, right? Just to dwell on the unity. That's really perfect. Yeah, that underlies everything. That's right. Wonderful. So we don't even have to look for it. It's just already there. It's already there. Yeah. I mean, like how we accept impermanence as a permanent condition. So is the other, the, the alleged other, the unity underneath all things. Yes. Great. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I feel better. 
I do too. I do too. (laughs) So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.